something in you and through you. Amen. Well, I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses joining at all over the city of Miami. So I want to take a moment and welcome our West Kendall campus, Homestead, Redland, Core Gables, downtown Doral, and everyone who is watching us online. Christ Fellowship, Palmetto Bay, can we give it up to them as loud as you can? Well, this weekend we conclude this series that we've entitled Kingdom Come. And uh, last weekend, Pastor Omar brought an amazing message. Let's encourage our lead pastor as loud as you can. And today we're going to wrap that series up. My name is Carlos and I serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Here's what the Word of God says. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Say with me, follow me. Follow. Say like you mean it, follow me. Follow. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and what? Followed him. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses and you know, as we begin our time together, I have a confession to make, and don't judge me. But usually when I watch TV, I love sports, so I watch football, basketball, soccer, ESPN, NFL Network, NBA TV. But within the last six to nine months, rather than watching sports, here's my confession, I have been watching the news. In fact, earlier this year, my wife told me, babe, what has gotten into you? Because you're not watching sports as much. You're not watching basketball or football, but rather you're watching the news. And I guess it's because of everything that's going on in our nation and the pandemic and all that. But with that being said, I heard a powerful, very positive story on the news about two weeks ago. And it was centered around this little boy, eight-year-old boy by the name of Trey Elliott. And here's a picture of him. He lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You see, Trey Elliott felt a calling to go on a mission. And here was his mission. He wanted to pray for every single police officer in the city of Tulsa. In other words, every single man or woman that he saw with a uniform on, his mission is, I feel a calling to go to them and to pray over them. Mind you, there are over 800 police officers in that city, but his mission is to pray for every single one of them. In fact, with that in mind, take a look at this video clip. Well, speaking of prayer, a seven-year-old boy is bringing hope to Tulsa police one prayer at a time. On Monday, Trey Elliott asked an officer at a cookout if he could pray for him. Trey's mother took a picture of that moment that has now been shared more than 11,000 times. That small act has turned into a big dream. Two Works For You's Christy Maria sat down with Trey to talk about his new goal and to deliver a special surprise. Just seemed like there's some really, really tough, tough times. Just think it will help him. That's what seven-year-old Trey Elliott told his mom, Brittany, on Monday before approaching a group of Tulsa police officers to pray for them. Later that day, he did it again, this time with an officer at a cookout. Brittany took this picture to always remember the moment. Little did she know it would inspire thousands and create a new dream for her son. 
Trey's made himself a goal. He wants to pray for every officer in Tulsa now. Yeah. Um, I think that's like over 800. So we brought in some backup to help him out. Trey, what? How did you do that? Four more, happy to add to his count. Okay. How are you? Feel good? There's not an officer in Tulsa that wouldn't pray with him. Trey's prayer for his new friends, both simple and powerful. God, please protect these police officers and their family and their town, their city. Amen. 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 Thank you so thank much. You. They know that there's hope, that it's not not everybody's out there to get them, and you know something's going to happen. It made me cry happy tears, little man. A little human is holding my hand and praying for officers, and just, I mean, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it makes your heart flutter. I mean, it just, it's, it's heartwarming. Isn't that amazing, church family? In fact, the latest update, he's prayed for about 400 police officers. Isn't that awesome? But church family, don't miss the point in this story. You see, Trey Elliott felt a calling, and his calling, his mission was to pray for every single police officer. But the reason why I share this story with you is because in the same way, God has given us a calling in this life. In fact, that's our big idea for today. God has given you a calling in life. Now you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, what exactly is God's calling for me and how do I operate or how do I live out God's calling? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Mark chapter 1. And so if you have your apps, make sure that you take out your smartphone, wave it at me. We love to take notes here if you're watching us online as well. And here's the first point that I want you write, to write down today. Because it's very simple. But our calling in life is to follow Jesus. Our calling is to emulate everything that Jesus Christ has for us. Now, to give us, let me give us some context to set up the teaching for today because Jesus Christ is about 30 years old and he's beginning his ministry here on earth and he actually begins his ministry not in Jerusalem which is the epicenter of religion but rather outside in the northern region of Israel and in the northern region of Israel the Sea of Galilee was there and so with all of that in mind here's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1 verse 16 passing alongside the Sea of Galilee he saw Simon who is Peter and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Now say it with me, follow me. Follow me. Say it like you mean it, follow me. Because this statement may seem very simple, but yet it has such a profound and significant meaning. Because when Jesus says, follow me, he is declaring a massive statement. You see, in that culture, Hebrew boys at the age of five would begin Torah school. And in Torah school, they would learn about the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But at the age of 10, they would begin, they would have this vetting process in which only the elite students, only the honorable students, only the most educated students who were qualified would continue on with secondary school. Those who did not make the cut would then go on to work in their father's business. So those who were qualified would continue on and learn from Joshua all the way to Malachi. 
But at the age of 17, they would graduate the secondary school, and then they would begin another vetting process. And the vetting process was to become a Talmud of a rabbi. Now say with me, Talmud. Say it like you mean it, Talmud. Now the word Talmud in Hebrew means disciple. In other words, it means student. It means follower. Now why is this a big deal? Here's why. It was every Hebrew boy's dream to become a Talmud of a rabbi. Just like you ask children nowadays, who do you want to be like when you grow up? Boys will tell you, I want to be the next Tom Brady. I want to be the next Patrick Mahomes. I want to be the next LeBron James or the next Justin Bieber. Well, in that culture, when you were to ask a Hebrew boy, what do you want to do when you grow up? They would say, I want to become a Talmud of a rabbi. So with all of that in mind, here comes Jesus Christ, who's not only a rabbi, he's not only a great teacher, he's not only a great communicator, he's not only a master, but this is Jesus Christ, God Almighty in the flesh, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who holds all things together, and he calls these men to come and follow him. This was a huge deal. In fact, seven out of the 12 disciples were fishermen. Meaning what? They did not make the cuts. They had to go and go out to the workforce. And Jesus chooses ordinary men who were not qualified to begin his movement on earth. Why? Because God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You see, God did not call you based on your intellect. God did not call you based on your capacity, based on your skill, based on your education. God called you because he wanted to display his mercy and grace over your life. How many of you believe that today if you're watching us online? You see, Jesus did not call a rabbi. He did not call a teacher. He did not call a religious leader, a philosopher, a thinker, but rather he calls ordinary men to accomplish his mission on earth. And so the call to follow Jesus is an honorable thing. It is a prestigious thing. But what exactly does it mean to follow Christ? We learned last weekend that in order to enter into the kingdom of God, it's a two-step process, right? Faith and repentance in Christ. But how, what does it mean to continue to follow Jesus? Well, I want you to write this down as your next point for today. Because following Jesus is not about trying harder, but rather about greater surrender. In fact, write that down as your next point. Following Jesus is not about trying harder, but rather greater surrender. In fact, the mark of a Christian is how much is he willing to surrender? How much is he willing to surrender to Christ? In fact, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 8, he tells his disciples, if anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. In other words, what Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, if you want to emulate who I am as the master, as the leader, as the Lord and Savior, there is a cost to following me. Because salvation is only by grace through faith. But there is a cost to discipleship. You see, oftentimes, we want all the benefits of salvation without the cost of discipleship. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, we want all the benefits of salvation without the cost of discipleship. You know, this past Christmas, my children, they received gift cards from family members, and my two boys received uh, gift cards to Target. It's one of their favorite stores. How many of you like Target? Make some noise. Yeah, we're all, I feel like we're at Target almost every single day, or my wife is. And so my two boys received the gift cards, and from right after Christmas, every single day they were uh, telling me or, you know, I'm just going to be straight up annoying me of when I'm going to take them to Target. Straight up. Every single day. Papi, 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 when are you going to take us to Target? Papi, 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 papi. Finally, throughout the Christmas break, I take them to Target. They purchased a couple toys. They had a little bit left on their gift card. And so we go to Starbucks. They get their drink. And on the way to our house, they're like, oh, Bobby, you are amazing. You're so awesome. You're the number one dad. You're the best father in the planet. We are so grateful for you. We love you. You are awesome. But then... About an hour later, it is bedtime in our home. And if you're a parent and you have little children, bedtime is the darkest hour of the day. Yeah. The moment that you tell your children it is bedtime, it's like they get this sugar rush. They fight it off. They can be falling asleep on the sofa, but you mention bedtime, they're like, oh, let's play hiding and seek. Let's, let's do something. Seriously. So I tell my children, let's go to bed. No, but we haven't done anything all day. What are you talking about? We were just at Target. You just had a Starbucks drink. Probably that's the reason why they didn't want to go to bed, right? And so I'm telling them, let's go to sleep. Let's go to sleep. Now my children are upset at me. What happened to daddy being awesome? What happened to Bobby? You are the best. In one hour, their attitude towards me completely changed. Why? They love the benefits of being my son, but they don't want to pay the cost of being my son. Isn't that a picture of how sometimes we live in our walk with Jesus? Oh, we love the Savior part. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your peace, your forgiveness, your joy, your mercy, your grace. Absolutely. But the moment that it costs us something, and we have to submit to the will of the Father. Everything changes. Our attitude towards God changes. You see, salvation will cost you nothing. It's only by grace. But following Jesus will cost you everything. Salvation will cost you nothing. But following Jesus 
will cost you everything. In fact, when Jesus calls his disciples, look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, say with me, immediately. Say it like you mean it, immediately. They left their nets and followed them. Let's stop right there. Because oftentimes we think of this narrative, we think of the poor little disciples casting a fishing rod. Oh, what are we going to catch? They weren't catch fishing out of leisure. This was their occupation. In fact, it was a pretty lucrative business that they had. They were successful in the Sea of Galilee. There was a lot of commercialized fishing. And so Jesus calls them and the disciples leave their occupation. It cost them their occupation. And look at what the Bible says. And going on a little further, he now saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they what? Left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher servants and followed him. It cost them their occupation, and it cost them a relationship. Now, am I saying, are you telling me, Pastor Carlos, I have to call my boss tomorrow morning and tell him, I'm leaving work to follow Jesus? No. Now, God will give us specific callings to go into vocational ministry, to go overseas to be missionaries. And there are moments where we may have to leave our job, leave a city for the call of God. But what Jesus is trying to tell us in this narrative is that following Jesus will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you resources. It could cost you a relationship. That young boy, that boo-boo, whatever you call him, who is in the way of you following Jesus will cost you that relationship. Following Jesus will cost you. And if following Jesus, and I say this with love, but I have an obligation to preach the word of God. If following Jesus is not costing you anything, you're probably not following Jesus, but you're following your comfort. Let me say that again because only two people heard that. If following Jesus is not costing you anything, you're probably following your comfort. So are you truly following Christ? Are you surrendering it all to Jesus? Our call is to emulate, is to become followers of Jesus. Our mission, write this down as your next point for today. Our mission is to help others follow Jesus. In other words, help others Lead them to the things of Christ. Look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus is calling his disciples. He says, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. See how he points them to the mission? He doesn't say, follow me, and you will become theological experts. Follow me, and you'll learn how to be expressive in your worship. Follow me and you'll learn all the Bible verses about eschatology and pneumatology and ecclesiology and all theologies, systematic theology. Now, am I advocating against those things? No. Those are things that we should learn as we grow in the things of God. But oftentimes what happens, church family, 
We want all the theological knowledge of the Apostle Paul, but not the evangelistic zeal of the Apostle Paul. We want all the theological knowledge of the disciples. Oh, I got to learn about the book of Romans, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. The book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul wrote it. No, I think it was the Apostle James. We're not sure who wrote it. All the theological knowledge, but not the evangelistic zeal of the disciples. And Jesus makes it very clear to them. You are going to follow me so that then you can lead others to become followers of Christ. And when you understand that mission, it changes completely how you live your life. You know, going back to the story of Trey Elliott, this eight-year-old little boy, he has school just like every other child who's eight years old. He has homework, projects. I'm sure he probably is in little league basketball or soccer, football, hangs out with his buddies. But make no mistake, because he has a mission, every opportunity that he has, guess what he does? I'm going to pray for a police officer. I'm going to pray for that man or woman who's wearing the uniform. You see, when you understand your mission, it drastically changes your life. Parents, fathers, mothers out there, your ultimate mission in life is not only to protect or provide for your children. It's not only to teach them a skill or an ability or lead them to the great education or to pass on a great inheritance for their future. But your ultimate mission in life is to lead your children to the things of Christ. It's to do everything you can, to be as intentional as you can, to point your son, to point your daughter to the things of Christ. Why? Because ultimately, the greatest thing that you can pass on to your children is not your inheritance. It is not a skill. It is not a talent. It's not an ability. But rather the greatest thing that you can pass on to your children is your faith in Jesus Christ, God Almighty. I am preaching to somebody today at all of our campuses if you're watching us online. It's the greatest thing that you can pass on to your children. Business owner, your ultimate mission in life should not be I want to expand my business and reach more customers and hire great employees and increase my leadership capacity. All those things are good things, but your ultimate mission should be how can I point my employees, how can I point my customers to become followers of Jesus Christ? <laughs> Students, while you are at school, those four years of your education in college or grad school, your ultimate mission should not be I want to graduate with cum laude. Or I want to graduate with great grades, but ultimately, how can I lead my colleagues? How can I lead my classmates? How can I lead my professor to become a follower of Jesus Christ? How many of you believe that today? Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you. I get it. My calling is to follow Jesus. My mission is to lead others to Jesus. But, but how? How do I lead others to follow Jesus? Because to be honest with you, it is uncomfortable. It's not easy. It's challenging. Listen, I get it. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But I want to say this with love. 
God did not call us to comfort. He called us to obedience. God did not call us to comfort, but rather he called us to obedience. And there is a blessing. It is so worth it when you obey and follow the things of Christ. So with that being said, here's the next point that I want you to write down today. One of the ways that you can point others to Christ, share your story. Share your story, your testimony. Every single one of us at all of our campuses has a story to share. And it is powerful because it's your story. It is unique. People can debate about Jesus being God, the deity of Christ. They can debate about Christianity and the evangelical world and all that. But they can't argue your story. In fact, Jesus, there's a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus encounters the woman at the well. This woman was lost, did not know Christ. She was an adulterous woman, had been with many men, five different men, and she was with another guy. And the Bible says that her life was changed. She goes back to the village and shares her story. Here's what the Word of God says in John chapter 4, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? Because of the women's theology, biblical knowledge, because of her story. He told me all that I ever did. Oh, but Pastor Carlos, I'm not good at sharing stories. Listen, we all share stories all the time. If you're a grandparent, guess what? You share stories to others about your grandchildren. If you're a parent, you share stories to others about how your kids are driving you crazy. If you're a millennial, you share stories about the new coffee shop in Wynwood or you bought the clothes at H&M. So all of us share stories all the time. So you tell that person, this is who I used to be before Jesus. I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like I had no value. I felt like I had no identity. I was lost. I was addicted to lust. I was addicted to alcohol. My marriage was falling apart. My relationship with my children was a mess. But now, God, because of his mercy and his grace, I am a new person. I have been transformed. I have the power of God. I have mercy, grace, love, forgiveness. And I want you to experience that as well. I am not perfect. There are moments that I do make mistakes. But guess what? I follow the perfect Savior. And I want you to experience that as well. Share your story. Another point, make your faith public. Make your faith public. Our relationship with God, with Jesus, is private. It's us and God. But it was never meant for it. It's personal, but it was never meant for it to be private. It's personal, us and God. But it was meant for it to be public. Do the people around you know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do your coworkers know that you follow Christ? Do your friends know? Does your neighborhood know that you follow Jesus? You know, one of the things I love about Christ Fellowship is we want to give you the resources, the tools to do what God has called us to do. And so, in fact, we have these resources. And I know we've shared this before. 
in previous messages, but I think it's fitting with the message that we're learning on today. We have these yard signs. This is one of the resources that we want to give you as you leave your campus or if you're watching us online. We'll figure a way to give you this. You see, when you put this yard sign in front of your home, guess what? You're telling your community, you're telling the people on your streets that you follow Christ, that you follow Jesus. You know, a couple months ago, I went to North Carolina for my nephew's wedding, and I was in my sister's home, and it was right before the election time. And it's outside of Raleigh. It's in this town called Cary, and uh, I saw so many political yard signs, and it was actually pretty even. And I remember driving in my sister's community, and I was in her car. I was telling her, oh, there, there goes a, a Biden follower. There, there goes a Trump follower. They're pulling for Biden. They're pulling for Trump. They're pulling for, for, for Biden. And because of their yard sign, I knew who they were pulling for or who they were following. If people, and I started thinking to myself, if people are unashamed of telling the world who they're going for in the political realm, how much more Christ followers, we're not pulling for a person, but rather we are pulling for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who holds all things together, who resurrected Lazarus from the grave. That is who we are following Jesus Christ. Another resource that we have, which I love. In fact, if they can put the picture here, and it's an amazing. This is a new one. This just came out. This is fresh from the oven. Just came out. <laughs> fresh from the oven. It's these prayer door hangers. And it says, we prayed for your home today. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is for you to put in your neighbor's home. Pray for them. Remind them, hey, maybe you're in a hopeless situation, but I want to let you know that you have a neighbor who is praying for you. And I want to do everything I can to lead you to the things of Christ. Another thing that we have here are door magnets. I'm sorry, car magnets. Many of you have this. If you don't have this, you put this on your car everywhere you drive. The Churnpike, US-1, make sure that you're not speeding or you're not acting ungodly, you put this on your car, guess what? You're telling everyone, I am a Christ follower. We have these invite cards. You know, oftentimes we don't have the time to have conversations to lead others to Christ. But this simple tool, don't minimize the effect that this tool can have. This invite card can lead someone to becoming a Christ follower. You see, when you're in the grocery store, when you're in the doctor's office, Starbucks, this is a great tool to give to that person who has been attending you. You have no idea what that person is going through the moment that you give them this card. You have no idea they probably just received a terrible medical report, or maybe their marriage is falling apart or perhaps they're about to be evicted from their home, and this simple invite card can be a tool to lead them to Christ. In fact, there's a story that we want to share right now of one of our volunteers who came because of an invite. It was actually a door hanger or a flyer, and her name is Marilyn. Her and her husband are now serving in our church. 
With that in mind, take a look at this video. Before I um, came to Christ Fellowship, um, I was looking for a church to attend. I was attending church online, but I felt that God wanted me to be present at a church, a part of a congregation and a family. A few days later, I received in the mail a flyer from Christ Fellowship inviting us to the Easter service. And my husband uh, said to me, um, you were looking for a church? Well, here's a church. So when I saw that flyer, I knew that it was God telling us where we should be. Whoever sent me that flyer um, was a messenger from God. We started coming here uh, immediately. And we were just looking around and, and just observing everything, talking about the message. And my husband says, Marilyn, you know, this is the first church that we visit. It doesn't mean that we have to stay here. And I told my husband, we don't have to go anywhere else. This is our home. My husband and I serve at Christ Fellowship wherever it's needed. He's on the production team. I am the volunteer director for the women's small groups. We just have a heart to serve. It's a whole new life. I just feel like a whole new person since I started this walk with Christ. It's changed my relationship with my husband. He and I have gotten closer. I look back before I started this walk and I say to myself, I don't know where I was. I was so lost. And it all started with that flyer that I received in the mail. I encourage you, if you have an invitation in your purse, if you have it at home and you don't know who to give it to, give it to the person at the grocery store. Give it to someone on the street because you don't know if that invitation that you give them is gonna change their life like it did for me. Amen, isn't that powerful? And I love what Marilyn shares. She says, my life has completely changed. My marriage has completely changed. You have no idea what that person is going through. Church family, here's our last step. And this is a challenge for every single one of us if you're watching online or maybe at, you're at one of our campuses. Who is your one? Who's your one? Who's that one person that you love so much that you treasure their relationship that is so close to you but at the same time so far away from God? It can be your dad. It can be your son. It can be your best friend, co-worker, manager. I'm not sure who it is, but who is that one person that you love and you treasure, but at the same time is far away from the things of God? Here's what I want us to do. I want you to take out your smartphone, take out the app, and there's a section there. There's a line there for you to fill. And I want you to write the name down of that one person that came to your mind. Right now, in the stillness of this moment, there where you are, if you're watching us online, I want you to put the name down of that person right on your phone or on a notepad.
Here's the challenge for us as a church family. I want us to commit this year, 2021, to doing everything we can, placing all of our intentional time, our energy, our effort, to leading that one person to become a follower of Jesus. Now I get it, salvation is a work of God. Only God can change a sinner's heart. But I believe when we spend time praying to God and we put our effort and our action in doing what God has called us to do, I believe God blesses our obedience. And can you imagine that one person at all of our campuses, if you're watching us online, can you imagine these people gave their life to Christ. These are souls who are far away from God, who are going to spend eternity in hell, away from the presence of God. Can you imagine if hundreds or thousands of people were to enter in God's kingdom because of our obedience? You see, in the ministry of Jesus, there was three stages to his ministry. Come and see, Jesus would say, Come and see the miracle, the teaching, the preaching, what I'm about to do. Then he would say, come and die in order to follow me. You got to give it all. You have to surrender it all. And then the last stage was go and tell. And I believe some of us are probably on stage one. You're coming and seeing what Jesus has to offer. Maybe you're in the sidelines and you're not a follower of Jesus. Your next step is to go to stage two and then stage three. But some of us have been on stage two for a long time. And it is time for us to go and tell about the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that today? What this world needs is the message of hope found in Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you are. Father God, we just come before you, Lord. God, we're thankful, Lord, because your word is clear to us, Lord. And in order to follow you, Jesus, it's not about trying harder, but rather about greater surrender. So we want to surrender it all to you, Lord. Come and see, come and die. And now we want to go and tell others about the good news of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're not following Jesus, but rather you're following someone or something else. And today, my friend, you have an opportunity to become a Jesus follower. God loves you. God has a purpose for you. And the Bible says every single one of us, we're sinners. None of us are perfect, but we follow a perfect Savior. And so today, you have an opportunity to make that decision to follow Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If that is you today, you can pray this prayer, but it's not the words that save you, but rather the condition of your heart. God wants your heart. He wants your life. Father God, we just come before you, and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died you were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. 
I repent from my sins today, and I follow you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen.